Over on the near wing for Robertson. He couldn't shoot it. Letman now. Nylander the one-timer score! Billy Nylander, who scored nine power play goals last year of 31 tallies, has a goal here and a 4-1 lead for Team Point. How about that huge night for Team White? They won two shootouts, the actual game and the overtime here in the blue and white game. This is Leafs Nation post game on Sportsnet 590, the fan and the Leafs radio network. Many thanks to Sam McKee and Danielle Furtado along uh, for the ride as well. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Stellick on Twitter at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stellick. Gord, the address rehearsal complete and onwards and upwards we move to Wednesday night. Yeah, necessary dress rehearsal. I think uh, a lot when I say a lot of positives, I, I think there were. There was uh uh, at, at starting off that they made it a regular kind of day. They had the morning skate, you know, kind of the structure that way and game time, that would be a normal game time. Uh, you get your great Austin Matthews goal. You get your Mitch Marner goal. You get Nick Robertson wiring it. You had some good goaltending early on by Freddie Anderson and a uh, little bit um, lack of physicality like an all-star game would have because you don't want any kind of injuries. I mean, we saw in Buffalo, Zemkis Gergensen's out for the season with an injury the second or third day of training camp there. So uh, that, didn't happen fortunately tonight but uh too bad there weren't fans there fans would have really loved that game so those that listened to it or watched it i i hope they enjoyed parts of it i heard it was uh, quite a vocal crowd tonight at Scotiabank arena it sounded uh, yes well piped in actually mike ross uh, our friend is the pa announcer and he introduced jimmy holmstrom and then he just kind of in, in a fun way just reminded everybody uh, you can't throw anything on the ice you know whatever so everyone's having a little bit of fun that way my win of the night, the Barbers being closed because these guys have some great flows going. Namely, Willie Nylander was a stallion <laughs> to begin with. He is handsome as hell with the long flow right now. And uh, if there's one player I wanted to notice tonight, jokes aside, it was Willie Nylander because he needs to get off to a good start this season. He does. You know, he had not a bad season last year. In You know, early on when not a lot of guys were going well, he was. But you really want that next level year because again we go back and it's funny with Matt Barzell signing tonight a three-year contract with the New York Islanders we we, we kind of go back that things got distracted by the money component Willie Nylander Austin Matthews situation got settled but you know you look what he got the term five years like wow Connor McDavid eight years so just that changed then all that went through with Mitch Marner and okay so now they're all in the fold and now let's let's get, when I say get what you pay for, it doesn't mean they're not trying. It doesn't mean they try any less, but there's a lot of money, more money than any other team has on their top four players. And, uh, okay, so you expect more in return and hopefully a full 56-game season because nobody had a full 82-game season for the Leafs last year. Well, actually 70-game season. And get in and get out of the playoffs in the way we, if you're a Leaf fan, have expected the last year or two. Yeah, and that's a true story for me. Certainly, you want to get hot at the right time, as we know. But again, it's a season like no other, and that certainly will take stock, no doubt about that, when it comes to COVID. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Stellick here on Leafs Nation post game. Uh, the blue and white game now complete a 6-3 final. Um, a bunch of optics in this game, clearly a couple shootouts. But anyways, uh, the team is ready for the season opener on Wednesday against the Montreal Canadiens. The other thing I noticed, again, um, you know, we're, we're not really trying to analyze too much what we witnessed tonight. This is more of a preview show. And again, we'll be with you for the next hour and 20 minutes. Uh, Luke Fox of sportsnet.ca covers the Maple Leafs will drop by in about 20 from now. We'll get his thoughts um, as puck drop nears on Wednesday, a game you can hear right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Maple Leafs hosting the Montreal Canadiens. Always a great way to start the season. And now in the North Division, 
But another thing I noticed was Mikko Lettinen. Uh, and, and I think they made a great call on the broadcast as well. It's not like this guy's 19, 20 years old. He's 26, almost to be 27, I believe. And will make uh, presumably his NHL debut on Wednesday. He had a couple assists in this game, Gord. Yeah, and you go back to Nikita Zaitsev a few years ago. Had a strong first year. Then after, not so much. Um, uh, I loved Ozaganov because Mark Savard called him Ozagetov, whatever. <laughs> that, so they haven't had a lot of luck in that realm. But, you know, you've got to keep trying at it. Artemi Panarin's the all-time best example yes. in recent history uh, about these players that are undrafted and are basically free agents to everybody. Toronto has had a great pipeline a great relationship they've developed with players from over there and there are two uh, russians in the world juniors look phenomenal yeah so yeah well, of course that was the draft as well yes, first round but pick I, one of but, but i mean the other one just to good. get get these guys and yeah it, it for an inner inter squad game you know because we're used to you know was it, keep in mind last year didn't rasmus sandine play like 38 minutes one preseason game <laughs> and so. okay and it was all this and, no stir in toronto no. yes and then you know lilligren and on and on so you got a couple of first round picks that haven't quite got to the level where you'd hope they would be right now with the Toronto Maple Police. And maybe one of them will make that. But yeah, for a game tonight, if you're looking at and, and one guy, and it's a bit hard because there's way more offense. Like it was Lucy Gooski, a bit more scrimmagey, not as physical. It looked but, like a scrimmage. Yeah, yes. but 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 yeah, he, he he did stand out, which is encouraging because the Leafs need uh, the quality on D and also the depth on D. And again, that's among the storylines we are following. If you wanted to uh, bit by bit, some of the storylines here in this abbreviated training camp for the Maple Leafs was their their new power play units, right? And we talked about it earlier. Uh, it sounds like they'll start the season with Matthews, Marner, Thornton, Simmons, and Riley, and then Tavares, Nylander, Hyman, Spezza, and Lettinen. And again, Lettinen a couple points in this game. A couple power play goals there in the third period from Team White. Um, John Tavares with a great win. How about a shot by Nick Robertson as well? The bubble or not the bubble, but the taxi squad is my fascination as to who, who cracks the roster. And I, I don't want to open up a can of worms and wonder why Nick Robertson wasn't at the world junior. If he's not going to be on the opening night roster, but I'm going to have that, that wonder anyways, it didn't matter because the United States won the tournament. Sadly, anyways, this is a Canadian speaking right now, but uh, it's just interesting when you look at Nick Robertson, uh, you know, I thought he was okay in the bubble. Uh, but I think certainly he'll be in the conversation on the fringe there of the taxi squad. But from everything I saw from that fourth line tonight, I don't know if Robertson's going to be in that opening night, uh, opening night roster, I should say, Gord. By the way, here's a nugget you can use at a cocktail party when cocktail parties uh, come Zoom. around again is uh, taxi squad, a football term. And the Cleveland Browns are back to the playoffs after like a thousand years tomorrow. And when Paul Brown was coach of the Browns, he, he later ran the Cincinnati Bengals, owned them, but uh the owner of the Cleveland Browns, to keep some of the players, he owned a taxi company. So he put them on the taxi payroll to try to keep them. They were ahead of the curve back in the late 1940s. Thus, the term taxi squad was born. Because some people kind of wonder, what is that about? So now it's gone into baseball, and now it's gone into hockey because of the pandemic world and not having minor league teams set up the way you used to have it. Nick Robertson, what a goal. What a goal he got tonight. And same thing in the Straight bubble. Face. Yeah, no, but no, but same thing in the bubble when he when you know early on, like just some offense. Like I was surprised when they played him in that series against Columbus. And the point is with the taxi squad, two parts to it. One is you want to have different elements in it. So this guy's like the pure sniper that way, but you want other components as well, so you can find out what you're missing and interject it. And to Nick Robertson, just in general. The all-round game is what he's going to have to work on. But, man, he really can fire the puck. He's got some scoring prowess, and goals are hard to come by. Even though guys like Austin Matthews and that don't find them hard, they are hard to come by. And if you've got another guy that can do that, I mean, he really has caught my eye. It's one thing to do it at junior. It's another thing to do it in the NHL. And, again, just a beautiful wired shot to just clink the post 
and went in, and that's a component he brings. And whether it's to the taxi squad early on or whatever it is, uh, that's what he's able to offer. Especially possessing a shot like that, um, to to use that weapon, especially on the power play, and we'll see if it comes to fruition throughout this season, I think is going to be integral. And I think by now, we, you know, my intrigue with this season, Gord, is not so much the top six guys. Not so, you know, to an extent, again, Frederick Anderson needs to be Freddie Anderson. This team's going nowhere. It goes without saying. Defensively, they need to be better. It's the bottom six. Because I don't want to say this time last year we were talking about, but I'm trying to say, you know, at the beginning of the season last year when we got together, you know, everything was great. Alex Kerfoot looked awesome in the first week of the season. The bottom six was outstanding, and, and you know, they went missing. They were on a milk carton for the rest of the season. And for as good as that top six is going to be, if you don't have the support system, you, you look up and down this league, especially the last couple winners, Tampa, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, they all had those bottom six guys who can score the big time goals. And again, maybe that's the reason why Toronto goes out and gets some of these vets here in the off season. But we deemed the bottom six interchangeable, especially in these times in this flat cap era gourd, but they need to step up this season and, and show it the whole season, not just the first two weeks. Uh, you know, Nick, uh, no Kasperi Kapan and no Andreas Johnson. So the Leafs have always already made a kind of a redo on what they projected their team to be. So yeah. a year ago, what they projected was these would be the depth kind of guys that you would have. And, and a Kadri moves up, which freed up some, you know, cap space, even though Kadri's contract was relatively, you know, uh, relatively good from a team point of view. But that, that was the component. You're right. Now they've changed all that. It showed in the playoffs where Sheldon Keefe basically had to keep one line on for 35 minutes. Right, he does. He was getting nothing. Yeah, he was getting nothing or two lines. Okay, maybe say two. So to say two lines, keep them on. He 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 was getting nothing, and I kind of thought, you know, good on him because that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing you're getting nothing from those guys. So I can remember a couple of years ago at the uh, Leaf Golf Tournament, Dave Nonis was that rattlesnake. Leafs, um, yeah, I think it was a rattlesnake that he used year. Used to work there, you know that? Did you? Yeah. What'd you do? Like a range attendant. It was the best job in the world. You're supposed to be a retired teacher to do that. You yeah, but I was like 18. Youngest... I walked around and hacked oh, darts. You know? Okay, well, that's Not cool. anymore, but I did back well, in the day. It's uh, Dave Nonis was the GM then, and basically he introduced all the players, and they stood up, and they're just a whack of players. And he said, here's what I got. We got a lot of guys fighting for jobs. Well, guess what? None of those guys did the jobs adequately or not enough of those guys did the jobs adequately. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what people have Hey, Leafs got a bunch of guys now. Fine. Let, I, I don't, I don't want the bunch. I want a number of them to give way more from the third line, especially and fourth line. You're right. You, you need it. That, that was not happening last year at all. And you know, what, whatever, whether it's the new guys, Thornton Simmons, how you choose to use them, whatever. Can Jimmy VC find a niche after he was such a heralded guy coming out of college and, on and on, Makayev getting healthy. And I'm not putting these all these guys in the bottom two lines. They'll decide how they want to deploy them. But if you put somebody obviously in the top two line, it moves somebody else down. So yeah, it's got to be a lot better. They they were getting nothing. And 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 Kerfoot was a huge disappointment too. Everybody that was new, and again, I'll give them all a do-over because Cody Cece's gone and, and Tyson Berry's gone and Jason Spets is back now, which is great. But just that, hey. I don't know the, the Mike Babcock. The, the new students didn't get didn't get an introduction. They didn't get welcomed down the office. And here, how can we do it? How can we make you fit? That just didn't happen. Unsurprisingly, uh, Gord Stellick in midseason form. I'm Nick Alberga here on Leafs Nation post game again. Uh, we'll have the broadcast coming up on Wednesday night. The season opener as the Maple Leafs host the Montreal Canadiens. Make sure to join us at 6:30 uh, for Leafs Nation pregame before we get to the festivities of said night. The Maple Leafs lineup, uh, we can go through it right now, at least up front. Uh, Joe Thornton, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Jimmy Vesey, John Tavares, William Nylander. Then the bottom six, as we just referenced, uh, we expect Ilya Mikheyev, 
Not sure in Alex Kerfoot. He didn't skate tonight, got banged up early in the week. If it's not him, it'll be Pierre Engvall and Zach Hyman on that third line. Um, and again, this could change on a whim within a shift if the Maple Leafs come out sloppy. Uh, and then the fourth line, Alex Barabanov expected to make his NHL debut in that game. Of course, uh, it seems like 18 years ago now they signed Barabanov, brought him over to North America, <laughs> even Latin for that matter. Spets is centering that line, and uh, Wayne Simmons has been waiting a long, long time to be a Maple Leaf. We'll get his opportunity on Wednesday. No benching Sina, uh, this year, Gord. Uh, no, no, no. Shout and, out to uh, Jason Spezza. Yes. And uh, Pierre Engvall, another intriguing guy. As you always say, the best posture in the league when he skates. Very, you know, it's like very a giraffe good. out there. But uh, yeah. It's so, a long neck. So can can they, you know, bring it to the next level? Because, you know, it's funny. We looked at looked at waivers of, you know, Freddie Goche gone. You know, just. Uh, Where is Freddie? All these guys. Was it Arizona? He signed I think he's PTO. on a PTO. Yeah. yeah. You know, just uh, a lot of guys like that. That's just what's going on. Nick Patan. I mean, all these names that are, you know, been sort of moved in and out. And, you know, the, the New York Islanders have that perfect Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck, Casey Sezikis, whatever, whether you want to call it a third line or a 2B line or a 4A line or a little bit of everything. And and uh, that's what every team would like to get in some way, shape, or form, that kind of identity on the bottom six. I like this tweet uh, from Canadian Opinions uh, and at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Selig where you can write in, great offense with nine goals scored, but horrible defense with nine goals against. It's an accurate analysis of tonight's uh, festivities, Gord. Well, well, again, it was like (laughs) the old-fashioned all-star game. There weren't a lot of block shots. There wasn't a lot of physicality. And the worst thing that could have happened was somebody got somebody got hurt. So yeah, I, there, they got there's, through it. There's a predictability about it, but there's little things you you were able to you were able to enjoy. So certainly from a team defense component, uh, giving up that number of goals won't be good over a 56 game season. But I know, and we'll we'll have the game on Wednesday against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, it'll be for real. And, uh, and they'll be tightening up and there'll be block shots and they'll be hitting and there'll be physicality. Again, a glorified uh, scrimmage, uh, but we look now, Gord, at the back end, a new number one pairing. We like to see this. Morgan Riley with newcomer TJ Brody again wearing number 78. We expect Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall to be a combo to start this season. And uh, again, we talked about it off the, uh, you know, the pregame. Uh, Travis Dermott's fighting for a playoffs or fight, fighting for a roster spot right now, but it's the expectation that Miko Lettinen and Zach Bogosian will round out the uh, six on the back end to start this season. But no doubt all these guys are going to get in, probably including my guy, uh, Marty Marincin. <laughs> Marty Marincin, yes. He he does not go away. Marty Marincin <laughs> again. But we're not even mentioning Depth. Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren again. Like, we're going to say, wait, these guys are first-round picks, so, like, we're bringing in the new again. Is that Callie Rosen back, too, Gord? Callie Rosen's back. back. But, but the same, what year is it? The same kind of hype we're giving. So, so see if someone develops makes the quantum a guy that did that and again it's a it's a forward not a d but dennis gurianov last year right mm-hmm. like what a quantum leap he made for the dallas stars like just you know uh good enough rookie then really made that next step so i i'm still holding out hope that one of those d can do it and and again you don't need you don't need phenomenal d you you need solid d for starters and then if a morgan riley can excel at a certain level or whoever that's a bonus so yeah but right now, handicapping the D because there's no more, there's not a lot of exhibition games. And again, last year, Sandine, like he killed in the exhibition games. And then very quickly, he couldn't do it in the regular season. You remember that? And just kind of, kind of went back to the minors, kind of meekly at that. But he he broke training camp as a, as a force or yeah. perceived force. And again, I think what they're trying to build here, and it's understandable, is internal competition, right? And I think the the taxi guys up front can push. You know, Travis Boyd's of the world, I think, was effective in, in his type of role. He's a bottom six, fourth line type guy, wins faceoffs. You need guys like that. But I think you want to create that healthy 
competition that we sort of missed the last couple of years. And that's why I think the taxi squad will be bigger than we think. And even on the back end, I think, especially on back-to-backs, uh, you know, who knows if Zach Bogosian will play every game this season. He is more of a veteran. Let's not forget he missed a long, long period of time with the Buffalo Sabres, signs with Tampa, uh, was a healthy scratch in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, there is still wonders about Zach Bogosian long-term for a season, but you need, you're going to need more than six guys, what I'm trying to say on the back end. Yes, but again, I'll go back to that golf tournament because at the end of the year when Dave Nonis made that about, yes, quantity, guess where Dave Nonis was at the end of the season? Unemployed, okay? It just, it, it just didn't happen. I'm trying to remember all the names that were back there. Then, you know, one-year wonder, Mason Raymond. That was a great one-year wonder. I know it's a Mr. few years PTO? ago. PTO? Well, whatever, but, yeah. he had, but he had a solid season. So I just, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're on a, uh, well, you can't be on a PTO and then play. You've got to sign a contract. But yeah. just, yeah, yeah. but but just just those kind of guys to have that kind of season. Even if you get one year out of them, that's a lot like, like a lot better than last year. And Because you really, to your point that you started the whole conversation with, you got nothing from the bottom six. And I still maintain Mikhaev would have given you something had he not had that injury because he was really getting on a certain trajectory, but you, you, you kept, you know, kept changing them all on that. And, and, and you really got nothing substantial. You got a play. You're right. You got outplayed in the bottom six, basically every game. And I'll be honest in saying every year is going to be the same story. Gord, we're going to pop on Leafs nation post game, pregame next year after this season. Hopefully it's a successful one for the Maple Leafs. We're going to talk about a brand new bottom six. I'll tell you that right now. We're going to talk about a couple new defensemen. You know why? Cause there's four guys making $40 million. Yeah. And that's just a fact of the matter. And that's why I think we should be prepared for that conversation. You know, my, my eyes are already on Alex Kerfoot and Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, just Zach Hyman, too, is in a contract year. That's why it's so integral to win now. And quite honestly, we do talk about this a lot. But you look at this roster. Um, it's one of the off-seasons in recent memory, Gord, where there was, t- outside of the Tavares one, of course, there's a lot of positivity surrounding this team. And as soon as it starts on Wednesday, COVID or not, um, there's going to be pressure on this team. It's it's time to be successful. Uh, there's no excuse no more of the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's an all-Canadian division. It's time for this Maple Leafs team to rise up this season. Well, yeah, and, and the fact is, in a cap world, you know, that's it is limited. And I'm not saying, I, I never like the word haircuts, but you look at the Penguins when they one. were winning Stanley Cups. Sidney Crosby was signed, it's uh, $8.7 million. You know, whatever the numbers are, Malkin, a certain number. Like uh, Teams had the Boston Bruins, great job keeping things in a certain structure. Tampa Bay Lightning, great job. Leafs, every man for himself, yeah. right? When it came money time, every man for himself. So that 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 does factor in very much about your, you know, about the window of opportunity to go out and win something. And you know, part of it nowadays is you're going to have to change things up. But if you have a winning product, guys want to come to your team. Guess what? Zach Pabosian, where did he do better? Buffalo or Tampa Bay last year? Yes, Tampa Bay. So he wants to go somewhere that's a good situation. Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton. When you're at that stage in your career. Your best chance is with a what you what, what's considered a good opportunity on the ice. So the Leafs still have that cachet, and they've got to look and cultivate it and grow. Then more people will want to come. Not to mention Jimmy Vesegord is finally home. Remember the conversation, the whole glitz and glamour that off season does not land in Toronto way back when in August, and now he's finally a Toronto Maple Leafs. I've been waiting a long time. I know Sam McKee, our producer, has been waiting for Jimmy Vesey to touch down in Toronto and. Jokes aside, I mean, he is playing a, an integral role, at least to start this season. Expectation to play with John Tavares and Willie Nylander, not too bad. Yep, but this is his third spot, right? That's that's part of it. It's the third spot, but right. Yeah, it, it, if this is the right where to go, right place to go, 
you know, good on him. Again, all, all that hype that came out with part because nice. he was a mature player coming out and part of where he didn't want to go where he'd been, which is still a strange one because Nashville really felt confident he was going to sign there. That was kind of, it's it's kind of the new wave now that you just, you know, that happened with John Marino with the Pittsburgh Penguins, yes. right? Edmonton Oilers draft pick. He's done three years at Harvard. And if he goes one more year, um, Edmonton has no rights. So they got to give him up seventh round pick to Pittsburgh. And he, he's a solid D. That's what the Leafs need this year. They need a John Marino. They need someone to develop like John Marino did with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, let's never talk, never mind Seth Jones, which would be great, or Shea Theodore, or the list goes on and on and on. But someone that is as steady as John Marino was in his first full year in the NHL. I guess much similar to what Justin Hall did uh, last year, right? To an extent. You need a yeah, guy, you yeah. need a guy propel himself up the depth chart. Wasn't right? that a neat surprise last year? Like the guy, because no expectation. Well, we talk about the Frankie Corrado treatment that year that the, that he was in, it was assumed when he would get the chance that he would make the NHL and it, it didn't quite happen. And Frankie Corrado is a class guy, really is, but spent the whole year in the press box and Justin Hall did that the year before, spent pretty well the whole year in the press box and to his credit when he got opportunities last last year to play, he went out there got himself a new contract and he is the only Leaf defenseman last year whose game improved appreciably the only one of anybody on the Maple Leafs and again as we talk over the next hour or two let's not forget and keep in mind throughout this season um, a new team is entering this league the 32nd franchise in Seattle and it'll be interesting Gord from that perspective I know it's a crazy season and all that but how how the Maple Leafs prepare themselves for the Seattle expansion draft too well, they did well last time losing Brendan Leipzig, right? Yeah, and I, uh, who was out of the league, by the yes. way, and rightfully so. Well, yeah, mm. <laughs> bigger problems than just being out of the league. And if people can't remember, he had a again. Why you got to be smart on social media? Just leave it at that, okay? Shout uh, out to Anthony D'Angelo. Someone, yeah. Why you got to be smart on social media <laughs> nowadays? Jeez, I talk talked to with my kids, my young adults, all the time. You got to be smart on social media. But point is, what's going to be the challenge for Ron Francis in Seattle is that George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon already kind of showed that kind of showed that it's not worth it, you know, to go and cut it, make a deal with them because pretty well every deal that, okay, don't protect this player. We'll give you say like Shea Theodore or something like that backfire on the team making the deal. So I think be like the Leafs, Hey, whatever, get a list together and, We'll protect the best ones. You take the next one, and we'll take our check. I think, yeah, and I think this time around, it's going to be much tougher for Seattle to wheel and deal as opposed to Vegas, just because I think you would think NHL teams have learned a lot, a lot from the Vegas experience, right? They batted a thousand Vegas. <laughs> they batted a thousand. They don't know what losing is yet. No, but I mean, they batted a thousand in every one of those deals. It's it's incredible. Yeah, let's hope the Blue Jays bat a thousand here in the off season because thus far. No, but thankfully we're talking Maple Leafs. We roll on here in Leafs Nation postgame. Luke Fox is coming up. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic here. Leafs Nation postgame. Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Time for a little hockey talkie. This is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. All right, welcome back to Leafs Nation postgame. Huge night for Toronto. The Maple Leafs guaranteed a victory and Gord, they won. Team White wins everything. The shootout twice, the actual game, OT. They're prepped for the season, Gord Stelic. Yeah, and I wonder if we were in a normal era that the, which is the visiting team? Their friends and family would be waiting by that certain area. <laughs> and you and I would be in the building. Oh, 2020. Watching and trying to say, wow, that team has a lot of friends and relatives, a lot of Ontario, Toronto area players and that. 
Yeah, a lot of goals. Uh, only one in the first period, eight in the final two periods, but which is what you expect in that kind of game. And uh, uh, pretty well every NHL team's trying to do it to get a sense of normalcy, what a regular season, not just game, but a regular season day is like. You know, one of the little quirky, funny things was because uh, it was at Sheldon Keefe's disc- it was at Sheldon Keefe's discretion is what we understood whether it was going to be a shootout at the end of the period or what have you. And first period, the ice crew came on and Freddie Anderson left and, the, and they all had to come back. Well, so, that, you know, funny enough, that was my, pro- I think I was the only one in this world to be bitching and moaning and complaining about no preseason action exhibition at all. Number one, the refs are coming in cold. That's going to be a slugfest come the season. Number two, nobody's been around for like three or four months. I know we had the luxury of having a bubble here in Toronto. For the most part, Mike Ross has had his reps, but nobody's really had their reps. So yeah. I have no clue what to expect on Wednesday. Well, Luke Fox has had his reps. He's writing all the time. He's killing it. Wow. Gord Stelic. That's why you're a professional broadcaster. So happy to bring in and hear the dulcet tones of one Luke Fox of sportsnet.ca. Luke, how are you, man? Pretty good after that intro, I would say. <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve it. It's it's so great. And I, I it's understated to be back talking Maple Leafs hockey with you. Uh, what was it like? I assume you were down at the arena tonight, right? You know what? I wasn't. Okay. Uh, I, think C- I think CJ was, but I, I took it in on the television set. Um, I would say that during the commercials, I did pop in and, and see how the NFL wildcard <laughs> games were doing. But um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it is what it is, yes. right? It, yeah. It's practice. It's practice on the big stage. Uh, but uh, you know what? They, they look pretty good. I think I think John Tavares looks really good. And in my preseason predictions, I predict a big bounce back here for him. And I think there hasn't been much discussion about that guy just mm-hmm. because of all the new faces. And, of course, everyone likes to talk about the new toys. But I think he's fully healthy. You know, he had a baby at the beginning of last camp. You know, he's, he's kind of used to being a father now. And he's, he's healthy. And I, I think he's going to really impress, actually. Yeah, I, I like that point because we're just chatting. It, it, the new toys, I like that term. And uh, But at the end of the day, and again, it comes down to money, but so much is invested in those four players. And I'm, and I'm not trying to belabor it, but that that is the nucleus, and that is going to be ultimately what takes you to the next level, along with goaltending. I mean, it really is. You can, you know, TJ yeah. Brody and all these other things. And, and so it was kind of fun to see a little Mitch Marner show, the John Tavares understated show he's kind of quiet loved even intermission he was doing a, a intermission interview he talked about yeah team white like he just <laughs> he just always serious like so he went captain. to he yeah. went to bed last night probably in his team white pajamas <laughs> at eight o'clock and, and uh <laughs> and got up all pumped about it and then and then we saw austin matthews as well so so as far as you know some of the other guys uh the studs were the studs last night when or tonight when they needed to be yeah absolutely they were i, I think Marner looked good uh i thought letting looked good that was like you know, not being able to get into the Ford Performance Center the last week, it's it's kind of like, I don't know what Miko Lettinen looks like playing hockey. I don't know what, like, Alexander Barabanov looks like. So I thought Lettinen looked pretty good. Um, you know, he was brought over for his offensive flair. He scored in the shootout, scored in, in the, uh, the quote-unquote game. Uh, I, I thought he showed pretty well, too. Um, so it was kind of fun to see the guys in, in, in new Leafs jerseys that we haven't seen before. Snake Alberga and Gord Selleck here on Leafs Nation postgame. Luke Fox is our guest. It gets underway for real coming up on Wednesday. A game you can hear right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Uh, Luke, for my money, this Leafs training camp has been missing some shirtless Joe Thornton, uh, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> what's it been like covering Jumbo Joe so far? Oh, he's been a hoot. 
Um, you know, his, his great quote is, I got, I got no stress, man, honestly. And I don't know if you guys saw that, that clip going around on social media of him singing along to Britney Spears, Amazing. hit me baby one more time in the car. Yeah. And, and that's him. You know, I, I had a, a great chance to talk with his, his GM over in, in Switzerland. And he was just like effusive in, in his praise for Joe Thornton and his effect on a team. And, you know, I've talked to a number of the players as well, and uh, they're just blown away by, by just his attitude every day, his work ethic, but also, you know, um, he kind of commands a certain amount of respect while at the same time, keeping things light and loose, which is, which is a pretty incredible balance to strike, right. Where you command respect and, you know, people want to listen to what you say, but you're not serious. Um, and that, that's a special kind of guy. Uh, I mean, you know, he's got $100 million in the bank. He's won everything except a Stanley Cup. He's got nothing to prove to anyone, um, but he wants to win a cup, and he wants to have fun playing hockey. And that, that joy for, for coming to the rink and playing um, goes a long way. And I, I actually think it meant a lot that he was in quarantine with guys like William Nylander and Austin Matthews, some of the key cogs of this team prior to camp. Uh, and they were able to bond before that. And I, I think that's really important. And, you know, I, I, Luke, I was mentioning with Nick kind of a, a let's say double-edged sword, if that's the right term about Joe Thornton. So on, on two sides about it, all he brings means there's kind of a fun distraction about him that everything else becomes a little bit secondary. And where last year, Tyson Berry, oh, my goodness, he's going to kill it. He's going to get a ton of power play points. He'll be a free agent on UFA like Alex Petrangelo next summer. And TJ Brody's kind of the same, except because of Joe Thornton, you don't have that kind of, oh, my goodness, there's not a lot of money to spend, and they spent it on TJ Brody. Like, he'll kind of be able to assimilate a little bit quieter with less spotlight on him. And on the flip side, Sheldon Keefe said, we're not going to make the same mistake disrespecting Jason Spezza last year, not allowing Tyson Berry or Kerfoot to get comfortable early on. Joe Thornton, I'm going to put you on a big line. I'm going to just make you're welcome. You're going to be valuable, okay? Wayne Simmons, you're going to be in a power play right now. You guys are going to be valuable parts. We really want you here. We embrace you here. I think that's an amazing point, Gord, and I think it hasn't been really talked about enough is the new guys that they brought in. It's like you're starting at the top and you have to play your way out of a position. We're setting you up to succeed. And you're absolutely right with Tyson Berry. That wasn't the case, right? And then Sheldon Keith came in and he tried to correct that by bumping Tyson Berry up to the number one, number one power play unit. He's starting Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons on the number one power play unit and giving them a chance to, to feel good about themselves early. He's starting Joe Thornton in the top six. He's starting Jimmy Vesey in the top six. And it comes maybe at the expense of a guy like Zach Hyman, who's playing for a contract. And this is by no means, I don't think, you know, done, signed, sealed, delivered. I think the, the lines will be in flux throughout the year. But he's, he's starting at least the new guys in a position where they can feel comfortable and feel like, hey, we brought you here for a reason. We want you to feel included. Even Lennon, he's going to be quarterbacking the second power play unit. This guy's never played in the NHL before. Uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting philosophy, and it kind of goes against Mike, Mike Babcock's philosophy, which was kind of like defaulting to the guys who were, who were trusted and proven. And you had to kind of, there had to be an injury or something had to happen before, before he would adjust his plan. Uh, Sheldon keeps much more into putting guys in a position to succeed and then seeing maybe if they play their way out of it. So it'll be fascinating to watch. 
In conversation with Luke Fox here, it's Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic, uh, Leafs Nation post game. Team White defeating uh, Team Blue here 6 3. Not really the story, but uh, the one thing I wanted to ask you about was Alex Kerfoot. He didn't skate tonight. Pierre Engvall, mm-hmm. we expect, could play on that third line in the opener, but is there any update on, on Alex Kerfoot's injury? Uh, not so far, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're looking at four days now that he hasn't yeah. participated with the group. He skated on his own. Um, so, you know, and Keith has kind of been downplaying the injury. It's a leg injury, but, you know, there aren't a lot of, a lot of specifics. But I would say the coach is really high on that third line. And the third line really never got an identity last year. Um, so he's, he was pretty pumped to try and create this, this third line with, with Kerfoot, with Hyman, with Mikheyev, and, and to try and create a shutdown line um, to kind of free up the top six. So, um, you know, there, there's been a lot of hype on, on Kerfoot, and I, I'm sure he's put a lot of pressure on himself. I, I know he wasn't happy with his first season as a Leaf. Um, and so it is kind of interesting that they're giving him a chance to be a center um, and, and to be an important cog of, of this machine. Um, but yeah, the, the team is, is, you know, he's questionable for the opener. Let's, let's put it that way. But I'm sure when he's healthy, he'll take Engvall's spot. I thought Engvall looked good, good tonight, though, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and you know, uh, the other part, when we're looking at the D and getting excited, I said to Nick, the, there aren't preseason games or exhibition games this year. They went back to calling them exhibition. I remember they used to term them preseason. Okay, <laughs> exhibition. But do you remember last year, like when we're thinking about D, now Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren, like they're first-round picks, right? Like you got to hope that one or both of them can get to the next level. And uh, remember last year that Rasmus Sandin had that pre-exhibition game in Detroit and he played like 28 minutes and, you know, you thought he was a surefire guy to make the D. And I just think last year was just such a dysfunctional start to the season that whether it was whether it was him, whether it was Dermot later coming back from injury, what have you, it just wasn't a great environment. And you got to hope the guys you drafted that, you know, one of them can improve their game and have kind of a, like a Justin Hall uh, move forward like he did last year. One of those guys can do that this year. Yeah, and and you know what? I think that'll come. I I just think because of the compact schedule, uh, I was taking a look at at the roster actually last year, and I think they used a dozen defensemen. So just because they're not in the top six doesn't mean they're not going to get their opportunity. Uh, I fully expect you know with the amount of the amount of work and and injuries are inevitable, especially to defensemen. I think especially if you keep running against the same teams. Um, the fact that every game is a divisional game, I, I think tempers will run high, and, and I think things will happen. So um, I, I expect Dermot to get in there, Sandin to get in there, Lilligren possibly. We'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, I, I, I look at that as a positive, quite honestly, Gord, just because I think the Leafs were too thin on defense, and I think you want too many defensemen. You want to be able to use your seventh D, your eighth D. Um, so. I, I look at it as, a, as a, a positive. And the other thing is, I think you want to over-ripen your, your defensemen. And these guys are still young. They're still under team control. A guy like Lettinen, a guy like Bogosian, they're only on one-year contracts. They might not be here next year. So, um, you know, if they can develop, they, if they can be patient, uh, I'm sure they, they want to be in the lineup on opening night. Um, but, you know, the patience will go a long way. Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca, our guest here on the show, Leafs Nation postgame, Sportsnet 5-9 at the fan, Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stelic on Twitter. 
Um, I feel like we're having this conversation last training camp about Mitch Marner potentially getting PK PK time. Could have been the year before, but I digress. I mean, Austin Matthews, uh, big story. As you know, uh, this past week, Sheldon uh, Sheldon Keefe, excuse me, alluding that he would see some time on the PK. What do you make of that? I think it's overdue. Mm. Uh, I think they needed a centerman on the PK. I I was looking at their face-off numbers on the penalty killing, and generally the Leafs are a good face-off team. But they, if you look last year, they were horrible. They're well under 50% um, winning draws. And, I mean, on the, on the penalty kill, winning a draw is so important. You win it, you just ice it. You know, you, you kill 30 seconds, 20 seconds right there. So um, they had Mitch Marner taking too many draws, Zach Hyman taking too many draws. They had too many wingers. They, they needed to incorporate uh, a center that was a good face-off man. In that role, and, you know, you look around the league, Jack Eichel has spent some time killing penalties, Patrice Bergeron, Anze Kopitar, and, you know, this organization has talked a lot about, hey, Austin Matthews is going to be an elite two-way center in this league. So why not have him kill penalties? Um, He doesn't need to be out there for all two minutes, but if he goes out there on the defensive zone draw, wins more than he loses, um, you know, he's very good at anticipating plays. He knows how power plays think. I think this could be could be an asset for the team. And uh, I think it's three years in a row that penalty kill has gotten worse and worse and worse. So they need to, to reverse that direction. And I, I think putting Austin Matthews in, in that role is, is not a bad move. I, I like it. And I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. I do too. Uh, I'm a big speaker in saying that, you know, your best players should play the most important minutes and all the time. And especially late in the PK, put Matthews on, win the draw, and there you go offensively. Uh, Luke, last one for you. Wanted to ask about the goaltending. Clearly the biggest uh, the biggest thing to success, at least in my opinion, in the NHL is strong goaltending. And, of course, Toronto could have three of them now with Campbell and Arundel in the three-hole. You know, how, how do you think they approach this, uh, you know, from assuming full health for all three guys, of course, and Hutchinson could be the fourth guy here. But do you think there could be nights this season where Freddie Anderson just sits out and is, like, in the press box? Oh, I don't know about that. Um, from a rest I, standpoint? I think they, I, I think they have to... <laughs> to, you know, take take care of his workload. But I don't think if he's in the press box unless he's yeah, injured. Um, you know, yeah, this is their number one. They're going to live and, live and die, I think, by Freddie Anderson. Uh, I know he's in a contract year, but I, I think they're hitching their wagon to him. Um, you know, absolutely they need to find out what Jack Campbell is. He's the only goalie they have signed beyond this year. You have to give him a few more starts and see what he's really capable of and try to learn, is this a late-blooming 1B? Um, Like, can can he be part of your tandem going forward? I I think you have to learn a little bit more about Jack Gamble, and I really like the Aaron Dell signing. Uh, He is not, like, he's not waivers exempt. So I I worry a little bit about if he can scoot through waivers, but... Ultimately, this this is Freddie's team for at least one more year, and uh, he's not going to be in the press box if he's healthy. And so, I guess you you, you should correct me on that. Then, I, I guess the only way the third string can come up right is through waivers. Well, I, so I imagine he'll be the the taxi squad goalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put Mike Mike Hutchison on waivers today, so we'll see if he he clears. I would I would think he would, um, but Aaron Dell's on a you know a very team friendly deal. So I yeah. wonder if another team that tries to scoop him up um, because you, you want to put him on. I would I would think they would try to put him on waivers before Tuesday um, before they get their final roster to have him on the taxi squad. 
Um, so I, that's something I think fans should watch to see if they try and sneak him through because I think there's not that big of a gap between Campbell and Dell. Um, Dell actually ha- has had more starts in the season than Campbell's ever had. So, wow. um, you know, he, he's at, he, and I think he's outplayed Martin Jones the last couple of years mm-hmm. in San Jose in terms of save percentage. So uh, I, I think that there's kind of an interesting um, dynamic there between the number two and the number three. Yeah, anyway, you slice it, um, you know, could need all three guys, certainly the way this season has gone already uh, in NHL training camps. Luke, again, uh, it's so great to talk hockey with you, Maple Leafs hockey at that. Appreciate your time and look forward to the next time we get together here. Awesome, guys. Hope you enjoyed the the practice game. (laughs) It's great working with Gord. Thanks so much, Luke. Cheers. There you have it. Luke Fox of Sportsnet.ca. Um, I believe we're going to hit the break, or do you want to make a quick comment? Yeah, just a quick one because yeah. of the, the we talk about, because of the sudden retirement of Corey Crawford today with yes. the New Jersey Devils, that the likes of Aaron Dell, uh, that maybe two days ago would be more likely to clear waivers, uh, New Jersey's going to have to look for some goaltender probably on the waiver wire. So correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I hate to put you on the spot. What I was trying to get at with Luke, I mean, they always want to keep Freddie Anderson fresh. You know, are you able to play your third string net minor or does he have to go through waivers? Is he a part of your roster? I'm saying, can you say one night, okay, we're gonna we're gonna let Anderson rest, not even skate, and we're gonna go with uh, Campbell as the starter and Dell as the backup, or do you or does it have to be a waiver thing? Well, I, I, not I, to put you on the okay, spot. Okay, yeah, so. yeah, and, and again, this is this is a bit different season to say yeah. the least. But right now, the way it would stand is that uh, you would have to start with two goaltenders. Yeah. You know, kind of like the, there's there's no waiver draft anymore. It's just blanket waivers and and the point being is basically someone that's ticketed to play with your minor league team if one of the other 30 NHL teams feel he could play on their NHL roster that gives them that opportunity and of course certain number of years they're exempt because you get the right to send the players down you're trying to develop and they don't go on waivers so the point being is all these guys need waivers Freddie Anderson needs waivers Jack Campbell needs waivers yeah. Dell Hutchinson I, I don't think you can sneak somebody down I think I think Hutchinson's a safe one to put through I I, I think Dell would be a bit more of a decision but unless you you, you can wait and you don't hope for an injury, but yeah. all of a sudden, if an injury did happen, then that would give you a little bit of freedom. I think there's a, a little bit more concern that Dell could be could, could be possibly claimed. But I, either way, your your season's not going to you know rise or set with a number three goaltender in the big picture. Yeah, and again, I just had to ask the load management question. It was more from that point of view. Uh, but thank you for the uh, clarification on that front because it, everything's my pleasure, so, Nick. My pleasure. Everything's so different this year. Like there's so many rules, honestly, and us even covering the game. I'll speak for myself. I don't even know half of them. Like it's it's pretty crazy how different the season is. And you know, I was under the idea that you can just rip your third stringer in there, but that's not the case, clearly. So. Well, 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 once once they clear waivers, there's a period of time yes. they can go up and down yeah, yeah. seamlessly. So just, you have to pretend they're it's with confusing. the Toronto Marlies and the Toronto Marlies are playing, even though that's not the case anymore. Exactly. And because, uh, so waivers are still there. And the point about waivers gotcha. was to guarantee uh, guys chances to play in the NHL that could merit a chance if their own organization doesn't want them. I was always told there'd be no math, which again is quite funny as my last name. You no can, calculus. Yeah, could have been algebra. That's true. <laughs> okay, there's algebra. Okay. That's Gord Stelic. I'm Nick Alberga. We roll on here on Leafs Nation postgame following the break. Uh, we'll hear from some of the uh, people involved in uh, tonight's scrimmage, uh, blue and white game. Um, and of course, the Maple Leafs get set for their uh, season opener coming up on Wednesday as they host the Montreal Canadiens. Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic on Twitter at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stelic. This is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Blue and white at night. We this is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. 
right, we uh, carry on here on Leafs Nation post game. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Selleck at the Gold Muzzy at Gord Selleck. Team White defeating Team Blue 6 3 here in the annual Blue and White game. I, for one, had money on Team White, so I win. Gord had money on Team Blue. He loses. But I had the over. Yes, he did. Gord, the over in five and a half, that's right, but I believe you parlayed it, so you do not get the money. Darn. It's unfortunate, but nonetheless, uh, we strive and move forward to Wednesday's opener, a game you can hear right here on Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, the Maple Leafs hosting the Montreal Canadiens and Gord. Anytime those two teams get together, doesn't matter how good or how bad each team is, it's always a spirited affair. And I can't wait to see, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, what the, the big offseason changes they've made against this Maple Leafs team. Because if we conversed a year ago, there'd be a sizable difference between these two sides. But I think the gap has closed, certainly. Yeah, it's what the and this is without getting a you know a top three overall pick, right? It's it's like it's like the gap has really diminished. It's almost they had kind of a year cap space like too. the year like the Leafs did when Marner and Matthews came that same season. Yep, and they've done it with a, a number of different things. Well, you start with having the best goaltender in the NHL when he's on his game, and, and no disrespect to Connor Hellebuck and others that are out there, and just a team that really found themselves in the bubble where teams like Washington, Boston, St. Louis, who had great regular seasons really kind of came apart in the bubble. And then going out, Josh Anderson, Corey Perry, Joel Edmondson, Jake Anderson, just, just some really nice complimentary uh, moves that were made by Montreal Canadian management. So yeah, all of a sudden you got, you got six of the seven Canadian based teams that fully expect to make the playoffs and the one that a lot of people don't think will, the Ottawa Senators, I still don't think they will, but they're going to compete and they got a goalie now, so you never know. You never know. So uh, love it. And, yeah, Montreal's on much more of an equal footing than they were a year ago. No doubt about that. And we look forward uh, to the Wednesday night affair between the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. Just to see some of these new-look Maple Leafs. So I'll ask you this question of the new acquisition scored. Um, you know, who are you most looking forward to seeing in, in, in simulated game action, of course? From the Toronto Maple Leafs? Because yes. I was saying Josh Anderson of Montreal. Yeah. I'm intrigued what he's going to Burlington do. Burlington boy, of course. Former yeah. Cougar. Yeah. Oh, I, I, well, to me, just just T.J. Brody. How's he going to fit in? Because I, a, a year after Tyson Berry looked like a sure thing, and Cody Cece looked like a decent enough thing, and and neither really worked out. That that's what they need. So I I think it'll be easier for Joe Thornton and uh, Wayne Simmons, and as Luke Luke Fox called them, the, the new toys, uh, to play those kind of roles. You know that they have with experience, but have 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 the stud defenseman T.J. Brody be the stud defenseman they they thought he was when they signed him. All right, with that in mind, we hear now from the head coach of the Maple Leafs uh, after this one tonight, Sheldon Keith. Sheldon, what do you think of a Lettinen's game tonight and a Lettinen's chemistry with William Nylander? I don't know if we can make much of his chemistry with William Nylander. I think it's a little early for that, but uh, you know, I, I, thought, I thought he did what he does well in terms of getting pucks at the net. Um but comfortable in that sense. That was really good Good to see. Uh, at the same time, you know, you could tell that with increased pace of play, uh, the way this game was here today in comparison to our previous scrimmage, today was a lot more game-like in that sense. And you know, I, I think you could still see him adjusting to that. What did you think of uh, Engvall's play tonight? I mean – I expect better from Pierre, to be honest, just in terms of this puck and uh, play with the puck, excuse me. Um, Got to just kind of redirect him towards the other end of the ice. Uh, but, you know, I thought he skated. He worked well. It was nice to see him score a big goal. I think it's 
we might be coming up, if not past the, the one year anniversary of, of his last goal. Uh, so it's good to see that and get the, get the confidence uh, going in that sense. But uh, I was hoping uh, for better from him today. Thanks. Next up, we'll go to Chris Johnson, Sportsnet. Go ahead, Chris. Hi, Sheldon. I'm sure in your day-to-day -day life, you've become used to wearing a mask, but I'm wondering what it was like to actually wear it on the bench and, and how much of an adjustment that might be as you do it this season. Uh, you know what? Wearing it on the bench actually is not nearly as difficult as wearing it on the ice in practice. You know, we're such, you know, we're still able to, to, to talk and players are able to hear you when you're, you're standing behind them like that, but on the ice in practice is really difficult to communicate and explain drills and uh, talk to the entire group. Um, so that's, that I found that to be the most difficult thing. I didn't, I didn't find it to be too much of a big deal other than just communicating with officials a couple times. That's a challenge. Uh, you know, they can't read your lips. Sometimes it's loud the music and all those kind of things. And you can't see, see, uh, can tell they can't see my lips. They can't really hear me. So, that was a challenge, but didn't find much of a challenge with the players. All right, we'll go to Jonas Siegel, the athletic. Go ahead, Jonas. Hey, Sheldon, do, do you anticipate making any changes to the main group after what you saw tonight? We're going to have a discussion tomorrow, um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see that. Obviously, I would expect the group to grow given that, you know, we'll add the taxi squad and we'll have some individuals there. So I think it'll grow, but in terms of uh, changes, I don't think you'll, you'll see much of that. And with guys like Letton and Barabanov, do you just kind of have to let them play out some of their inexperience that they do have over here? Well, yeah, we do. We, we need to give them an opportunity. I think we've done that throughout this camp and throughout, you know, through here today. Um, you know, you give them that chance, but obviously the puck's going to drop. And the, we're playing for real, and, and every game, every game, and every uh, every point matters. So we've got to be very mindful of that. So you know, we want to give the players an opportunity to grow for sure. Um, but you know, the circumstances of the training camp, circumstances of the season, they don't allow for uh, for uh, for as much time as as you'd like or as you, you may require. So you know, they they've got to they've got to find a way to adjust very quickly and. Just not not just them. It's any player that's really competing for a job. You know, uh, you know the Joey Andersons, Adam Brooks, uh, Patan, Boyd. These kind of guys. Normally, they'd get multiple exhibition games to be able to make their mark and get comfortable and and really kind of show you who they are, what they can bring to the group. But the circumstances are different. They're not normal, and, and uh, it's those guys that it affects the most. Uh, Yes, we just have to make decisions and make decisions quickly and, and do what's best for the team. All right, we'll take two more. We'll go to Terry Koshay in Toronto Sun. Go ahead, Terry. Hey, Sheldon, I know I know it's just the one game and, uh, you know, what you take out of it going forward, uh, maybe not a ton, but uh, there's some things you didn't like about some players. What Were there a couple of players that stood out in your mind that, uh, you know, gave you something to chew on as you head into tomorrow? Uh, I, I don't think there's a whole lot there, to be honest, Terry, in terms of us, uh, you know, making difficult decisions or anything like that. I think more of what I'm saying, because it's such a short time frame, I don't think there's a whole lot that's, you know, make us change our mind on anything that we have done going into this, uh, into this situation. 
you know, I thought the guys we expect to be really good today you know, were. I thought Austin and Mitch were dynamic all over the ice. Felt like seemed like they could have had three or four goals each themselves, and didn't go in as much for them. But uh, you know, Willie was also very good. John scored a big time goal to, to start the game. Um, so those guys we expect to be really good. I thought that they were, uh, you know. But we're starting to see. Uh, you know, starting to see the potential of guys like Joey Anderson and Adam Brooks and these kind of guys, uh, you know, that, you know, it's the, between the scrimmage. And then again, today, that those guys really stood out positively. Travis Boyd's getting more comfortable, but unfortunately, you know, the camp's over here now. We got to, we got to press on to the next phase, but it's nice to see that uh, the depth is there for us and that those guys competed. what do you think of uh, Joel on the line, Sheldon? I thought Joe did his part. I mean, that's a lot of minutes for him out there today. You know, we we didn't we went into this. You know, we weren't just going to spread the minutes out evenly. We were going to play as though it was a real game, uh, a real exhibition game, in the sense that uh, you know we would try to win and and put our guys in situations similar to would be in a regular season. In Austin and Mitch's case, and, and because we don't have our entire lineup playing on one team, you know, uh, Joe just. Joe was attached to, to those guys all the way through the game. And, and I thought uh, I went, went with them, you know, shift for shift very well. Uh, I was on the bench with them in the second period. And, you know, Joe, was, Joe seemed like he had lots of legs, lots of energy, and was actually uh, excited to, to get going and gave me a little crap for, uh, for, for not calling on him on a couple shifts that I, I, I bypassed them for some other guys. But uh, it was all really good to see. And like I said, I think he did his job on the line. Puck came to him. He advanced it, moved it, uh, moved it to those guys in good spots. Uh, at times, he really spread the ice and, and um, created space for those guys in the neutral zone to do their thing. Um, he's adapting his game a little bit, obviously, because those guys have the puck so much. But uh, I, I think the line did just fine. Obviously, 34 and 16 are the guys that are – carrying the mail for it, but Joe's, uh, Joe's doing his part. All right. And last question goes to Marty Klinkenberg, Globe and Mail. Go ahead, Marty. Hi, Sheldon. That was a lot of fun tonight to watch. Um, I wanted to go back to Miko and I was just wondering how much you knew about him before. Clearly your, your, you know, your scouts liked him a great deal. Um, his teammates this week have kind of talked about him and have been very positive. And it looked like he had a pretty good game tonight. So, you know, what do you where where are his positives for you? Well, as positives, like as I already talked about, like he moves the puck with confidence, um, especially on the offensive side of the red line, uh, gets it to the net. You know, puck comes off his stick very well. Uh, just something as simple as the, the shot that gets through that, you know, that Willie gets a, a tip on. That's a strength of his. You watch a lot of his games in the KHL, a lot of his points. That That's the source of it, just getting a puck by by the first and second layer and, and getting it to the net and good things happen uh, for for the forwards down there, whether it's power play or even strength. Uh, so that's a, a real positive for him. Uh, probably the biggest positive of all is just his attitude, his approach. He's a hard worker. He listens well. Um, he asks questions. 
he responds well to coaching. Those are all, to me, the most positive things that will lend itself to growth. All right, there you have it. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, the head coach of the Maple Leafs. And uh, I caught my headliner was like a minute in the bus that he ran over Pierre Engvall. What, yeah, he, what a um, long neck deserved to, to get that, Gordo. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's not going to be his agent or PR agent. He even uh, brought Sheldon back his Kiefer. last goal from a year ago. Wow. Uh, well, you know what? I, I like it because we talked earlier about uh, – the Leafs need more, way more from their bottom two lines. And actually Sheldon keeps the guy that articulated last year about with, you know, 10 games or 15 into the abbreviated season when they had a good hold on the playoffs and it was slip sliding away. And so obviously a salvo aimed at Pierre Engvall about that, that, you know, you want to know that last year wasn't good enough. And uh, uh, I like a coach that is unafraid to say those things. Just be honest. It's not like you're targeting anybody. You're just being honest in constructive criticism. So yeah, Pierre Engvall took a dart, but not to the back, from the front, from the full front, that if you want to play on Sheldon Keefe's team, uh, you're going to have to play better than what he saw you play last year. And again, to be fair, it's somebody who knows him rather well from their time in the American Hockey yes. League. The tune has certainly changed from uh, last season's training camp where a veteran was uh, the focal point of the uh, the coach's dismay. Yeah, we're talking about a Jason Spezza. Yeah, just, but you're right. Sheldon Keefe's just kind of challenging him. There's certain guys there that... You want to play in the NHL or not? Like, you want to play a few years in the NHL, the slippery slope can go real quick. Uh, all of a sudden, if you have just one bad season, you never get a chance to have another one. Light a fire under the rear end. We got no problem with that. With the break, other side, we hope to get in uh, Miko Letton and Nick Robertson, their thoughts here on this uh, victory for Team White as we get set for the start of the season coming up on Wednesday. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Stellick. This is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590, The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Breaking down. What's up? What's up? This is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and the Leafs Radio Network. All right, welcome back to Leafs Nation postgame. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic on Twitter at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stelic. Again, there's a lot of different new players on this Maple Leafs roster. Among them is a sort of veteran defenseman, I guess you can call him from his time in the KHL, a standout in the Continental Hockey League. It feels like it was a long, long time ago the Maple Leafs signed Mikko Lettinen, Gord. Well, yeah, and, and a long, long time ago since he didn't get drafted. He's undrafted. Mm-hmm. He'll be 27 years old in a couple of weeks. And these are the great, and we've mentioned it before, Temi Panarin's the best example of that, the kind of player that uh, can basically go anywhere. And he decided he wants to come to Toronto, and he's coming here as a very mature finished product. How good that finished, and no pun intended, product is uh, coming over uh, from Finland or playing in Finland, uh, we'll find out. But he's also played this year. So the other part yep. is he's had games in the KHL. So this guys are looking for exhibition games. He isn't one of them. He's like Joe Thornton. He's had a he's had a whack of games overseas. You think Lettinen called Ben Andres or a Roman Polak and said, "Can I wear forty six? Is that okay?" Yeah, well, I think so. Is there Rolex could, involved in those trades? Well, you made the gay comment about in the junior games, who wears watches anymore when they gave those watches out? So, yeah, I think it's something different than, than Rolex right Leafs now. Leafs Nation postgame needs to be six hours, so I can go over my gripes of the IIHF. They're officiating, but that's a show for another day. We'll roll on here. Uh, Miko Letton and his thoughts as the season, um, his I guess his NHL debut could happen as soon as uh, Wednesday. Just an exhibition game, but how did, uh, how did it feel put the sweater on to play in this building it was it, it was fun like uh first kind of real game but still exhibition game so 
I enjoyed it. It was fun. Like, uh, can't wait to get started here. Thank you. All right, next up, we'll go to Jonas Siegel, The Athletic. Go ahead, Jonas. Hey, Miko, what's the transition like for you on this smaller ice surface? Uh, you mean what, what is the – how it has been or, like uh, – Yeah, like, how, yeah, how, how do you find it transitioning to the smaller ice? Like, what's challenging? What, what, what have you noticed so far? I think I just have to like sometimes uh, give the puck away. Don't force the game. That that's the biggest thing. Like uh, you don't have that much time, and I like to keep the puck. But sometimes you have to make a simple play, and I try to learn that every day and uh, do do a better job. But otherwise, it's it's I I like to play a smaller ice. So deep D zone is kind of sometimes easier because uh, you're closer to. Uh, closer to opponent, so I feel comfortable. All right, we'll go to Marty Klinkenberg, the Globe and Mail. Go ahead, Marty. Hi, Miko, and you know, welcome to Toronto. You know, I I know that you've had a uh, you know a significant career playing in Europe, and but I'm kind of wondering if there's anything. That's that has surprised you so far here, and you know, kind of in your in your first game, um, you know, it's an exhibition. You you know, you had this success. Is there anything that surprised you so far? Not actually that big big things. Like uh, I have watched a lot uh, NHL games, and I talk with the guys who have played here, so I kind of have. Uh, learned before I came here a little bit how how the game is here. So not big surprise for me, but also always like big uh, smaller things where you can adjust your game. So uh, yeah, just smaller things, smaller things and bit, bits in a game. Well, when you uh, just a follow up, you know this this was a uh, well it was an exhibition tonight but you 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 clearly had a very you know nice game um you know how do you feel about how you played tonight i felt like uh, i could play better actually but uh it wasn't my best game but uh uh there was a situation where, where i can do better and a situation where where I done uh, did really well, so I just try to learn every day and uh, just get ready to opening night. No doubt, it is a preseason for all. That is Miko Lettinen, the newest or one of the newest defensemen for the Maple Leafs, and uh, we expect him to fight for a, a spot on this roster, of course. And it sounds like he could have the upper hand going into this season against Travis Dermott. I'm really, really intrigued to see how Travis Dermott handles this whole situation, Gord. Yeah, I, I'm big on him. I'm really yeah. big on the way he, uh, the year before last, came in late in the season. And, and just, uh, I, I was expecting progression last year. It didn't happen, but beset by injuries and beset by just a team that was in a lot of flux when he came back. No doubt about that. And again, uh, Toronto's going to need help uh, across the roster, including their bottom six, maybe a guy who can play up their lineup. Eventually, I'm talking about rookie Nick Robertson. Played pretty damn well, I felt, uh, in the bubble uh, when he got his moment. Uh, it's unsure at this point if he'll start an opening night, but no doubt will uh, play a factor at some point in time, you would think, in this Maple Leaf season. Let's hear what Nick Robertson had to say tonight. 
Nick, thanks for doing this. Just wondering, uh, there was a quick opportunity you had on the slap shot. What did you see uh, developing up to that and, and before you pulled the trigger? Yeah, it was actually funny. Uh, Willie was going to give me a one-timer and ask if I was good at one-timers, and it's just fortunate that, you know, the puck went in the right area. And uh, when I saw it, I just knew how to get it off quickly. And um, usually when I'm doing a shot like that, I would um, kind of go low and fortunately went in. Thanks so much. Next, we'll go to Terry Koshan, Toronto Sun. Go ahead, Terry. Hey, Nick. We've come to know what kind of a motivated hockey player you are. Uh, is there any extra for you, uh, given where you know the spot in the lineup right now might be a little bit tenuous, or how do you see that? Yeah, I think I always find ways to motivate myself. I think even after today's game uh, wasn't the best, to be honest. But um, you know, I got to go back and you know learn what I got to do. But um, every day is kind of like a day where I can learn from others, and um, you know. We're, as where I stand in the roster, um, I know that no matter what, I have to keep working hard, and that's what I continue to do. Thank you. And last question goes to Kevin McGrand, Toronto Star. Go ahead, Kevin. Hey, Nick. Good to see you again. Um, just uh, given how things turned out with Team USA and the World Juniors, any regrets that you weren't there? Or uh, what? just your thoughts on how Team USA did and uh, how much you might have liked to be there? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it'd have been nice, but uh, again, it was kind of a, um, like a situation to be stuck in, and uh, I'm really glad to see them win. I know a bunch of the guys there, and um, you know, for the U.S. to win a gold medal is, and even just watching it was really nice. And um, as far as regrets, whatever, I mean, I uh, the whole thing behind it was still uncertain, and uh, we thought the safest way to be, uh, was to be able to stay here, but. Um, unfortunately, they won, and uh, congratulations to them. All right, there you have it, Nick Robertson. And again, sadly, as Canadians, we're reminded of what happened last week in the Edmonton bubble. The Canadians, uh, the best team ever assembled at the World Junior falling to Team USA. And I'm not the one quoting that, by the way. But uh, Team USA, full value, and even without Nick Robertson, Gord. Yeah, and you, you again, to cause we haven't talked about it, but uh, that was a great Canadian team weren't tested at all, which Shame I, on Lafreniere, which I, well, anyway, which I, well, <laughs> unfortunately when you saw with Kirby doc, right. What, yeah, why that, that happens. But the other part is um, this past year, the 2020 draft, there weren't as many guys taken from that U S national program or the year before there are a whack of them. So you, you realized how much they had played together. Many of the USA players, but Nick Robertson, 55 goals last year. He could, if there was, I, I'm curious this season, if everything was non-COVID, would he go back to the Peterborough Peets? I, I don't know. Right. Like when you get when you get fifty-five goals, I, I, and the fact that that Sheldon Keith played him in the playoffs, like I was surprised that he put him in. And then he the would have been in the World Junior too. Yeah. So I, but with there being no no definite plans for Junior right now, he's definitely going to be on the taxi squad, and he got he got a nice goal. He wired off the post. I didn't realize. I knew he's from the states. I knew he's from California. I didn't now being born in Pasadena, California, doesn't mean that's where you were lived in. Quite often, that's just the hospital. But what a bummer! No Rose Bowl either. There, they had to move the Rose Bowl from Pasadena, California, to a different site. So he's been kind of a dis. He's been a displaced guy. But what a commitment he showed! That he wanted to stay in Canada, right, and um, not have the fourteen day quarantine somewhere down the road. And he basically stayed and trained kind of on his own and really, really made a commitment to be a professional athlete. I think this is a perfect time to pimp my work at sportsnet.ca. Um, and it is the Sportsnet fantasy hockey draft kit. And among the conversation I had in my variety of articles and videos was the, uh, the rookie of the year conversation. Who's going to be involved in there. And Nick Robertson, of course, technically still a rookie in this league and maybe 
who knows, a dark horse. You never know what can happen, but certainly I think, you know, we put stock in, in older type rooks. Uh, Artemi Panarin was 48 when he won the rookie of the year, changed the terminology of the award a, a tad, but the Rangers have a bright future, no doubt, with Igor Shostorkin and Alexi Lafreniere. Um, Kirill Kaprizov's another guy, Gord, with the Minnesota Wild. Ilya Sorokin with the New York Islanders. I tell you, it's amazing, you know, the the, the goalie factory that Russia has truly become. Because if you do remember, 25 years ago, it was Finland, Finland, and then more Finland. It's all about Russia now, Gord. Well, I, I'm trying to there. I'm trying to remember the lineage, but there was a period where it was Quebec, Quebec, Quebec. Yep. And you're right, Finland. Actually, it was it was curious that people like went to quest. It was like the Dalai Lama was in a mountain in Finland and people made to try, you know, basically it was nuts. long, long pilgrimages to find out like in a country with so few people, how and do you develop so many? Yeah. How many, you have so many bus. excellent, excellent goaltenders. And then of late Russia's just been off the, off the chart. Uh, although Askarov, my one observation was he's got to get a goalie stick that sticks with him. I don't know. He's got some stick. I'm going losing a stick all like the that, time. That gorilla glue, you know, Something. that they advertise on TV, Something. not to give them free advertising, but that was an issue. That glove was a major league yeah. issue too. So how about, how about Miko Lettinen for rookie of the year? How, how about that? That's, like, that's a wild card, right? Cause I'm, you know, in, I'm, you know, I play fantasy hockey and actually one of my leagues, 14 team league, it's a deeper league at that. But Miko Lettinen was taken. Somebody took a flyer knowing that Miko Lettinen would be on the second power play. And I know it's just a, you know, preseason uh, inter-squad game, whatever you want to call it, but he had a couple points in this game on the power play. Okay. So let's uh, again, um, okay. Gurianov, it was kind of his second full season in the NHL. How about Kiviranta? How about Nick Robertson be Kubalik? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Just yeah. That, that kind of thing. The kind of person that bursts on the scene that's kind of under the radar and just kills it. I do think if I'm picking a, a rookie of the year right now, that Bowen Byram, just because Colorado is going to be so Star solid. Course. Yeah. Boy, when, the second period when Canada started rushing the puck, you know, him and Drysdale, wow. They're disgusting. I mean, I mean that was impressive. And they yeah. just kept going. And they, they, they created actually the most offense to kind of kind of get Team Canada going. But it's nice that the Leafs had, well, for the first time ever, they had, dare I say four, well, three anyway. It would have been three. But three different Rookie of the Months the same year in Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander. So what are there, seven months in the regular season? So, you know, that that's phenomenal that three of them, at least we're rookie of the month at least once. So at least to get one back in the picture that Nick Robertson has that potential. There aren't as many months this year for rookie of the month. That's that's nice. You always want to have someone coming. In a perfect world, your scout's churning somebody out. Rodian Amarov, Gord. Yeah, well, could be. Not right now, but could be down the road. Played well at the World Juniors. But just so, that's why I'm so amazed that Rasmus Sandin's been written off by a lot of people. Like, you know, as we yeah. talk about the D, you know, he's just like been written off, kind of go, well, no, your first round pick should still be coming and have a have a chance to contribute at a decent level. Maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe not be all-stars, but, you know, yeah. have, a, have a chance to be real contributors. And I got a couple other guys to watch in terms of the rookie class in general in this NHL. Timothy Stutzla, who we're going to see quite a bit this year, we think uh, the Maple Leafs Boy. and the Ottawa Senators. I love to see, you know, renewed hostilities in the Battle of Ontario, especially with some of the, the pugnacity that they've gained here in the offseason. Austin Watson's one of them. Um, you know, some of the other guys, certainly with pedigree, who play that gritty type style. Uh, Brown on the back end as well for the Ottawa Senators, I think will add that dynamic. And quite frankly, you know, as, an, as a Maple Leaf observer, I want teams to play heavy against the Maple Leafs. That'll entice them to play heavy against them, will it not? Yeah. Yeah, and, and with Ottawa as well, I don't think there's any bitterness by D.J. Brown, Ron Hainsey, or Connor yeah. Brown, but just these were guys that were solid Leafs. These were guys that, that helped bring the Leafs to the next level and before they took a step back last year. So they, they certainly would want to play well against the Maple Leafs as well. But that, that term, heavy hockey, 
you, you, you want to have it because heavy hockey will, is a factor in the playoffs. It just is. Because, Gord, I wanted to bring this up, and we're going to have all season to talk about this. My, oh, my, the, the, the mood change in Leafsland uh, from years before to accepting maybe some faults, I'm just saying. But it, it sure changed when free agency hit and, you know, guys like Wayne Simmons were brought in, Zach Bogosian. Ideology changed a bit, didn't it? You know, it's, yeah. And and I was a little puzzled by all that, The ex- almost the extreme flip in nature. Yes. And now you lost Kyle Clifford, who may have been the most effective forward up front. So, I mean, I, I, like Wayne Simmons. Well, if you want to rile up Berkey, ask him about the acquisition of Wayne Simmons and what that adds to this team, because he'll just tell you replaces Kyle Clifford. Yeah. He makes a good point. Yeah. So the the point being is this word physicality. And it's, 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 they used to dismiss that as that you can win strictly on scale. And they used the Chicago Blackhawk model that, you know, you can't trace, you know, chasing Patrick Kane down. I mean, that that's, that's toughness in the playoffs because it's just tough to keep up with them. So there's different ways of toughness, but there was an acceptance that, yeah, all of a sudden that word grit or whatever it was, because they missed it in the playoffs. They, they flat out did the St. Louis blues the previous year. I mean, Tampa Bay is an excellent team. So that's different. The previous year, the St. Louis blues showed that in the playoffs that they had to have that, to win the Stanley cup. And then the other one, I got to say, Nick, as much as we uh, applaud these additions mm-hmm. and it's said about, yeah, they're going to bring leadership, which is great, but I'm kind of going, well, how the hell do they have this void in leadership? But Sheldon Keith, uh, Sheldon Keith touched on a couple of times. He called them an immature team. And uh, I thought that was just so, so the strength was their youth and vibrance on the ice, but then Sheldon keeps kind of alluding. Yeah. But off the ice, they got to get a little bit more mature in the leadership. So they would have had a regular season. They should have had last year and didn't. And then in the playoffs. So yeah, great. These guys are coming, but also like, wow, how, how come there's a leadership void with mm. the elite players there? And exactly. And I don't think that was an indictment of John Tavares, by the way. I think, oh, no. I think no, quite no, no. honestly, Tavares has been exactly as advertised. I know people would disagree and maybe from an offensive standpoint last year, but I think he's really attached or was in the past to Mitch Marner. Like I think John Tavares, and we've talked about this at nauseum, especially off air, you know, the intangibles that a John Tavares brings to the table uh, deflection. I mean, he did this for a long, long period of time, wherever he's played, he's worn the sea, whether it be Oshawa, you know, whether it be the New York Islanders, I think John Tavares funny enough, weirdly enough, Gord, I think is undervalued in this market. Uh, well, it's interesting because contracts all of a sudden everyone yeah. looks at them all, whatever, and how much of the cap they eat up. This guy made a commitment to come here mm-hmm. that people thought Steven Stamkos had a better chance of making two years earlier. The odds were more that way, less Tavares. And, mm. you know, wow, he came here. He took the wrath of New York Islander fans. Still and, is, yes. Yeah. Well, he, that was, but, but, but They have cutouts in their building ready but, to go. But that, but that was a decisive message to the Toronto Maple Leafs and gave a whole different element of respectability. Mm-hmm. Now, the Stanley Cup was awarded to the Leafs the day he signed, which was incorrect. And the other thing is Kyle Dubas said on that day. And I took him at his word that I had assumed discussions were with all the other guys and they were going to follow in place and a missed opportunity happened. That wasn't the case. So it became a distraction, which wasn't Tavares's fault because the thing was Tavares has said, can you sign me and keep the other guys? And it was yes. And I thought, okay, that's like the day the late Pierre Lacroix called uh, all the avalanche people in their agents. Okay. Forsberg, Patrick Waugh, Joe Sackick, Rob Blake, here's the skinny. And they all said, okay, we're in. And these are the amounts. And uh, I thought that was the same, but it wasn't. And I think this year in general, uh, piggybacking off your point, there's got to be a buy-in, Gordon. I'm not just talking about uh, hockey. I mean, it's been fun to talk the last hour and a half, but we sort of avoided the obvious in the room that COVID's going to have a huge impact on this season, whether we admit it or not, right? Well, Dallas Stars aren't starting the first week. Yeah. and you, But you, you look how 
the NHL handled things in the bubble. They won't be a bubble. It's understood. But Major League Baseball, National Football League, NBA, you've already had to be a moving target. You look at the schedule, and we're looking forward Wednesday, the game, the Leafs, Montreal Canadiens. But so you look at the schedule. Yeah, a lot of games are crammed in. You go, wow, there's these five-day breaks. Well, that's because, yeah, they've got things ready that if you have to move, that's where they'll be moved to. So they're 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 going to be have to react to all these things, and it's, it's going to happen. What a year, the baseball style back-to-backs. The buffer zones, as Gord just alluded to in the schedule, but great. And one constant, Gord, you and I working together Wednesday night. It's the season opener at home against the Montreal Canadiens. Can't wait. Can't wait for all of them, but just nice to get it going. And you're right. Uh, every, everyone stay safe. That's going to be important throughout. And um, hopefully... Uh, that's also works for the National Hockey League style. We have been waiting a long, long time for this one. Don't forget to join us starting at 6.30 uh, for Leafs Nation pregame after that. The call with Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic. Many thanks to Sam McKee and Danielle Furtado for their hard work behind the scenes. And we'll talk on Wednesday, game one of this unusual odd season. The Maple Leafs hosting the Montreal Canadiens.